I am your host, Nick Italiano, here with my grumpy co-hosts, Ross and Tom. And today we have a special guest on, Heather from PNW Bushcraft. What's going on, Heather? Nothing much. I'm excited to be chatting with you guys. Awesome. I think it's uh, confirmed that Heather is definitely less grumpy than us. I think think that is definitely a fact. She is definitely the antithesis of our grumpiness, so this one might actually be a little upbeat, everyone. Yeah, just in case you... In case you're here for the grumpiness, this might not be the one for you. I'll try to sprinkle some more in, but Heather's probably going to actually bring some light into this podcast. Would be a nice change of pace. I have been accused of being perky. (laughs) (laughs) I was accused of being perky once. (laughs) How'd it go? That person isn't around anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, Let's let's get into our usual out of what's going on. Tom, what do you got? I've just got knives and boat problems. You know, the the usual. <laughs> Whoever said buy boats because they're fun? I mean, actually, I don't think anybody ever said that. They're not fun. They're money pits. So, you know, that's been one thing. I found out recently that I saw my uh, boat floating down away from the lake the other day, which was fun. Um, my dock currently has a, uh, a tree that's broken in half over it, and the HOA loves birch trees, so they want to save the birch tree instead of my boat. So I moved it to my neighbor's boat dock, but he failed to tell me that his tie-off points aren't actually secured to the dock in any way. They're just <laughs> planks on top of a dock because that's how you put tie-off points on a boat dock. So I went to check on it one morning, and I saw it floating down the lake, so I had to do like a running athlete jump to land on top of the boat or swim or do both. Thankfully I got on there. And then at some point I've tried to work on knives this week because uh, I think that's how I make money, not dealing with boat issues, but uh, we got lots of stuff coming up for blade show. I'm not having a table there, but I'm going to be bringing some goodies to show people if they do want to see it in person and have on hand, like in the pit and stuff like that. I'm not going to be brown bagging it, but we got lots of wickets coming out. Um, lots of new ones coming up. I just picked up some magnet cut wickets, which uh, that's, that's the hotness apparently. So I'm going to try doing those. I have no idea how heat treating is going to go because when I talked to Paul boss, who does my heat treating about it, his response to magnet cut was, Oh brother, that steel. And I'm like, that's not good to hear <laughs> from the guy who heat treats every day. That's not the response you want to hear. So I'm really not looking forward to it, but if people want it, that's what they're going to get for these. So yeah, is he, just, is he gonna do the heat treat? Yeah, he's gonna do all the heat treat. But he told me about uh Buck <laughs> Buck Knives did a first round of them, and this is just like you know, the delays you see in manufacturing, the lack of communication at times. Uh they did a small batch of them of six hundred blades, which was a small batch, and they didn't tell him any of this. They just said, Oh, we're gonna do it, and he's like, Okay, I guess. And they did them of small folders with a hollow grind and a swedge at the top. So literally no flat surfaces whatsoever and 600 of them. And he's like, how am I supposed to heat treat these things without warps? So he says it's a lot of fun to deal with, but I'll have those. I don't know when. I don't know what's going on. I'm just (laughs) staying afloat, barely. Not like my boats. Stuff is coming. Yeah, well, knives and stuff and problems, usual grumpiness. What about you, Ross? What's what's exciting in your life other than doing your floors in your house? You like get outside or something? You know, I actually did the uh, the floors in my sunroom this last weekend. <laughs> of course you stuff. did. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I, I didn't use my EDB this time to trim all my pieces. I used my uh, my EDN, so. Oh, uh, downgrade. Uh, um, you know, I – I got outside just long enough to, to, to make a couple fires and just play around outside. And, uh, I don't know if you saw, but a lighter guy showed up in my post, which was awesome. <laughs> you know, I did a Flint and steel, uh, video. And of course, you know, so here's the thing, he's from Norway and I'm Norwegian, so I can say this. And so he could just be really confused and it could be a language barrier thing, or it could be the reason why Swedish people call us blockhead Norwegians. But his, his first comment was, I can't think of a dumber thing to carry in the woods with you than uh, a flint and steel. <laughs> There's so many better ways to start a fire. Like basically, you know, I'm an idiot. So that was fun. But uh, I used the flint and steel to, to light up the, uh, the EDN box and all the uh, packing material from, from Tom. So that was fun. And uh, people seem to like it, you know, Instagram, because there wasn't an actual knife in the video, I got close to 18,000 views on it. 
um, you know, previous video had a knife in it. I got like seven. So, wow. Thank you, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. well, not that bad, but it's usually, you know, it's like 120. And then because that was just, you know, a piece of steel and a piece of rock, uh, they let it through the, uh, how do you think I feel, hour. Ross? <laughs> I got you a lot of press, man. Uh, 18,000 people saw your beautiful packing materials. and yeah. uh, Oh, great. I have no now, idea what you sell. I'm going to have yeah, people lining up to post, me. Ship me an empty box. Like, there's, there's, there's something in this box that you want, but I can't show it to you. But Thanks so much for the PR there. Bucks. Yeah. I mean, as, as someone who just does this for fun, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I can imagine doing this for a living. It's got to be incredibly frustrating. It, uh, yeah, yeah, it's up there. yeah. It's I'm not when sure get, what to say about that. Uh, well, when I get told my two and a quarter inch blade is a weapon of mass destruction that needs to be hidden from people, when you could like literally watch videos of fighting in Ukraine and that's okay to have up there, but my little EDN neck knife, they're like, oh, hold the phone there, guy. We're not trying to send the wrong message on this platform. It's like, okay. Yeah, Wait, what am I, I going to do with the EDN? Clean your cuticles to death? Like. Yeah, seriously. I had to go back to something though because it sounded like Heather was actually going to say something that was negative. About <laughs> so I want to neg- hear it. It's not negative. I just find it interesting <laughs> that videos that uh, Todd's in get way more views than videos that I'm in when it comes to outdoor gear. So I just I just find it interesting that if my husband's showing you the gear, people watch it more. If I show it, I get half the views. So it's just interesting that take at my end. So Todd tries to be in a lot more videos because we get a lot more exposure, but that's, I don't know. That's, it's, that's interesting actually. I, I right? So you're saying the algorithm is sexist. Yes, I guess so. Or, <laughs> or people just like to watch men play with camping gear and not women. Maybe they're just into Todd and they just don't want to say it. You know, that could be it. I would understand like, that. When we have a, are we going to have I a, mean, you, uh, you made that choice. We're going to send everybody else. We're going to have a calendar full of Todd coming out by P&W Bushcraft soon, coming in a wax canvas slip. <laughs> He'll just be playing with his gear in the woods. Woo. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, that, that is slightly inappropriate. Uh- <laughs> hey, I meant wax canvas here. Yeah, yeah. Please, Nick. Sure. Get your mind out of the gutter. We're just trying to have um, some little wholesome content here for the gram. God. Well, this is this is why we are rated as explicit because we can talk about these things. <laughs> anyway, um, I did. I gotta say though, I really did enjoy the uh, reels that you were making, where like Todd just kind of like popped up in the background, like the, the, <laughs> like, like the lucky. Where's Todd? It was like there he is, like just appearing there. I was like, that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, well, that's that's cool. I have absolutely nothing exciting to report to anyone except for the fact that my beard is gone and everyone made fun of me before this started. And um, I'm going to Blade Show and no one is going to know who I am because I do not have my beard. And that is okay. We actually had to have Nick hold up his license to make sure it was him. I don't know who this person is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been it's been a while since I've had no beard. So um and the story behind that is that I was in the bathroom in my shaving, uh, trimming, and my son was there, and he did like a header right into the glass door, and I turned with the razor in hand, and and it was not fixable. I tried. I really did. But uh, that's it. Other than that, I'm going to Blade Show. I'll be at the KPL booth, and I'll be walking around and looking forward to that. So um, working on the website. All that good stuff, you know. I haven't been doing too much on the website because I've been preparing for Blade Show and and what have you, and also taking my daughter to every sports orchestra jazz ensemble thing that she participates in. Uh, so it's been a little, it's been a little nuts. But after Blade Show, I got a lot of really cool things planned, but I'm not going to tell you about it now. You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> oh, the cliffhangers! So, yeah, cliffhangers. Dun, dun, dun. Sports orchestra sounds terrible. Sports orchestra is the worst. Um, yeah. Imagine trying to do trying to jump hurdles with a trombone. It's it's crazy. It's, uh, nuts. But anyway, enough of that. Let's let's talk to Heather. I want to I want to hear about Heather. Heather, tell us about yourself and a little bit about your uh, company. Oh, my name is Heather. Our company is PNW Bushcraft. I like long walks in the woods and eating from in front of an open fire. No. <laughs> No, I do really like all those things. But um, as a company, we've been around for over nine years and we make wax canvas gear. We design it, we create it, and we ship it all from our shop here in Washington State. So we're very, very lucky to be able to do what we love in a place that we love with 
with people we love. So yeah, my life's pretty awesome and I'm excited. And I, I did get to mention, I'm also, Todd and I are headed to Blade Show. So we'll be seeing you guys there in person, which will be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to bring the gear there because that's a fabulous crowd. So can I just point out the look of utter skepticism that Tom had when you said you your life is like wonderful and you love life? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that wa- that wasn't a look of me being skeptical about that. It was whether I actually muted the camera or not, so I didn't have Ross sending me eighteen text messages after this saying I can't believe you drank in front of the mic again and hit your table and dirt dirt dirt. That's what that look was. It was just trying not to hear it from you, Ross. That- you know, Heather smiled and Tom looked like someone stabbed him with one of those warped <laughs> magnet cut buck knives. <laughs> I, the perky is not working, huh? Sorry. No. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of perky to cheer me up, but no, things are things are great. We're, we're doing great. We're having fun here. Exactly. Oh, good. Anyway, back to what we're actually talking about besides Tom's woes. <laughs> Um, so you, you, you do wax canvas stuff, which is awesome. Uh, why wax canvas though? Tell us a little bit about why you chose. We're, um, we're using wax canvas because it has a history of holding up to the weather here in the Pacific Northwest. And our gear, um, started because Todd was trying to find something that worked well for him. And, um, really the logging industry is really big in our area and they use a lot of wax canvas. So that's kind of where he got his inspiration. In our particular area, it's almost rainforest-like. So it's always damp. Everything's always damp. And wax canvas just has a history of holding up. I mean, we still have gear that's a hundred years old that's still usable. So we wanted to be able to create gear that people would love that was timeless but that also could be passed down to the next generation we want to be part of the solution and not the throwaway society so there's just been a lot of um we put a lot of thought into what we make and and the products we use and we've just been thrilled with wax canvas and it really it just is timeless and it looks cool i mean i i like it for this for the sense of it is very durable and as it gets as it ages it just looks cooler like the patina that you get on your wax canvas gear over time is awesome um, I know because I have a bunch of it. And, you know, <laughs> so, thank you, thank um, you. <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoy it. You know, it's it's kind of funny because the the one thing that I got that I didn't think was going to be the like game changing, life changing piece of gear was the junior ground cloth, and that thing <laughs> has saved my life, especially with my kids, like more times than I can count. Because my son has this aversion to be wet unless he's in the pool. So anytime you ask him to sit on anything that's like slightly moist, he'll freak out. But I break that ground cloth out and I put it on whatever and he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. Happy happy seven-year-old in the woods is what you want. (laughs) And and it's nice to have a place so you don't lose stuff, right? I mean, a lot of people love the Hunter Orange because you get into the woods, you set something down and and you lose it. It just gets eaten up. So yeah, the ground cloths have come and the ground cloths came handy here because everything is wet. You can't sit on a dry log in our woods. Everything has moss on it. Everything's damp. So, yeah, the ground ground cloths are great. I love it. And, uh, (coughs) well, I got to be honest. I love everything that you make that I have. So, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you The the foraging pouch is a mainstay. I I use that a lot and I carry that one a lot. And uh, it's always a topic of conversation in my scout meetings because everybody wants to see the magic little thing like uh, (laughs) – unfold they're you know they're my son's age so they're seven so they just yeah, think it's cool and then you pull out the oh. magic mushrooms to the give to the scouts nick <laughs> what, what no. are you doing and dealing at these scout meetings huh no i'm not in fact we have a meeting tonight i'm talking about healthy eating but we're not going to be eating any magic mushrooms at all <laughs> okay because that is take this kids go camping seven. you're gonna have a wild ride <sighs> you're a bad influence tom I will, I am actually an Eagle Scout, so I know all about these things, Nick. Oh yeah, okay. In, I remember we told a story about how you found booze in the woods that you supposedly weren't drinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Never. Bad Eagle Scout. You're, you're not a good Heather. Scout. I got a question because you were talking about how like damp it is there all the time. Does it ever run into issue with like the manufacturing of all of your goods with everything being so moist? Because I was thinking what a nightmare that would be for me with all the steel and the wood and the handle material and stuff like that. Do you run into the issue at all? Thankfully, we have um, a really nice shop right now. The second story of our pole building, we insulated it and put in um, the heat pump. So it has air conditioning and heat. So inside the shop is actually very temperature controlled, specifically so that 
we're comfortable, but so the wax canvas holds up and we also have leather in there. So we're, we try to keep everything at a nice 70 degrees all the time. And, uh, but yeah, it takes a lot to keep caring for your wax canvas. And actually right now I am just working on a guide on how to care for your wax canvas because there are things that you need to do to keep it at the best of its ability. Cause it'll only last if you take care of it. So yeah, when we take stuff out in the woods, we have to bring it and hang it back up in the shop to dry out. We don't bring stuff back in that's that's been dried very rarely, maybe in August. So yeah, definitely something we deal with here. So I'm curious, ha- having a bunch of, of wax canvas and <clears throat> not knowing until you just said that. So like, what what do you need to do to take care of it? So do you ever have to re-wax it or, or is it just making sure it's clean and dry or? So you definitely want it clean and dry, but you are always going to have to rewax your canvas based on your usage. So each person is different with how much they use it. So if it's something that you're taking out all the time, the way to tell is if the wax canvas needs to be rewaxed is if the water doesn't roll off anymore. That means you need to rewax it. And that's pretty much the rule of thumb. If if the water's being absorbed and it's no longer got the wax in it to keep it, uh, it's water resistant. When it starts out, I feel like it's waterproof, but we can't really say that. So it's very right. water resistant when it's when it's fresh or rewaxed, and um, yeah. So you do have to take care of it that way, and it's never a good idea to use any sort of heavy chemicals on it or sharp brushes. You just really want to wipe it down and use a really mild soap if you absolutely have to. But for the best results, you're just going to wipe it off and, and keep it dry. Because if you put it away, wax canvas, if you put it away wet, it'll come out smelling moldy and it's not pleasant. I mean, it kind of smells like my grandpa's tent, but you know what I mean? Like you don't really so want moldy. the old, yeah, you really don't want the old moldy smell, but it <laughs> <laughs> brings back memories. <laughs> yeah. So like, what does that look like to rewax it? Is that something like uh, I can do or do I send oh, it back yeah. to you? No, or? no, absolutely. You, you can redo it. Um I want to say that the company is called Martinex. They are the people that we actually buy the wax canvas from. It's their brand, and they put out a tin of wax canvas that you can rewax it with. And it's just simply putting it on and heating it up. We always say it's more fun to rewax around a campfire because that's how you can rewarm it up. But you can also use a blow dryer to kind of get it to um, get back into the cloth and penetrate. So. Yeah. So check your gear and, and see how it how it's doing. I mean, if you've got a big ground cloth, obviously you're going to need a lot. But if you just right. got some tiny bags, you'll need very little. Um, you can make your own. We do make some. I just haven't had I just haven't had time to make it. But we do our own wax to, to rewax our products, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got the um, my micro. <laughs> yeah, so this thing, you know, is in my pocket. It's got quite a patina. Um it doesn't really get wet. I just like it, you know, it's, it's great little storage pouch, but I guess I'll have to run it under the uh, faucet. And see yeah. What see how it does. <laughs> I, I imagine though, just from the friction of being in your pocket and, and heating up that it might, right. it might need to be rewaxed. And we found that that orange is such a fun color, but it is the one to get the dirtiest, the fastest. That's all right. I like a good patina. <laughs> so it works fine for me. That's what I'm going to call. I'm going to say it got a patina, not it got dirty. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the polite way of saying it's well used. Um, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> so yeah, I'm curious. I, I, uh, oh, yeah, go. How, how do you guys decide um, that you're going to do like a new product? So I know every once in a while you have you know new patterns or you know new new cloth and things like that, but like an actual new product, <laughs> what does that look like? Um, I'll give you a really good example. So our EDC travel tray came about because we were at Blade Show West in California and Todd noticed everyone kept pulling stuff out of their pocket and not having it organized. So on the the drive home, we we drove home along the coast and and we're in the car and he's like, I think I have a new product idea. And I was like, oh, please tell me, like, let me know what you're thinking. And he described that EDC pocket tray. And so we got home and we started trying it out, trying different sizes, trying to figure out what exactly the pocket sizes were. Um, We introduced the first one and it went over really well. And then we started um, talking to um, LT and being able to turn it into some sort of, they're calling them sheath pants, like something a little bigger that would go around their knife sheath. And so we adjusted the size to be able to adapt for that. And so it got a little bigger and that's been our second version. So, you know, um, a lot of the products either come from us noticing where there's a need in the market or a need for ourselves. And sometimes we have amazing customers that come with us with ideas. And I say, I love that idea. 
if I design it, can I put it out on, you know, can we sell it? And everyone's always like, yeah, please do. So we're very fortunate to have a lot of input from our customers too. So very cool. So, so tell me the truth. These micro Tinder pouches, have you sold more than the seven that I bought? Not many. (laughs) 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 But, but they were on there for quite a long time. I was optimistic, but yeah, no, they were a very cool idea, but they did not go over well. And here's the great thing about designing and making our own gear. If something doesn't sell, we just stop making it. There's no backup of inventory or stuff that's because we've noticed anyway, when a new product comes out, it sells really good for a couple of months and then it starts to peter off. And then if it just stops selling, we just stop making it. And right. and that's a really nice perk of being the people that manufacture the products. That's very cool. And not the fact that nobody's buying micro tinder pouches, but the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Maybe did a great just... job of sharing it. <laughs> yeah. Ross, why don't you just like get another pa- set of packaging from Heather and just light it on fire and see if Instagram will take that up to the <laughs> But it's it's nice being able to pivot like that with new ideas and new products. Because I see that times too, where like something isn't moving or we something's not going. It's like, all right, well, it's not like we have like millions of dollars of like gear invested into this exact model or whatever. We could just move on to something different or focus on what's moving. Yeah, and it's seasonal. Like we're wax canvassed and we're going into our slow season. Because wax canvas is a heavier product. People like to use it in cooler weather. So for the summer months, it tends to get pretty quiet around here. We do have a another line of products that's made with a lighter wax canvas nylon blend that I try to push during the summer. And people who get it love it, but it's never really taken off. Um, I mean, we make the same gear out of it. It's just lighter. And, you know, it's a, it's a mystery I haven't solved yet. But um, hmm. it's definitely seasonal for us. And I don't know, when I talk to other makers or people who have to like go overseas to get stuff made or anyone that isn't making them in-house, I feel like there's a lot more at risk, right? Because, you know, they're having to buy thousands of a product and we're like, all right, well, we made five. Let's see how it goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your turnaround time. So like this, you know, for people don't know, don't know what we're talking about, this micro Tinder pouch, I just, I wanted to have a way to have fire plugs in my pocket and I already like wax canvas. So I said, Hey, Heather, can we make a little pouch to put, you know, eight fire plugs in your pocket? And I think she had it like a prototype turned around in about seven minutes, (laughs) you know, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, a couple different sizes or whatever, but again, you know, it doesn't work out. You don't make it. So that's, uh, yeah. And it, it, your turnaround time is, uh, is amazing. Seven minutes. Boy, you're leading people down a trail. No. Um, okay. I- Realistically, it might've been a half an hour <laughs> and I had a message back like, Hey, how about, do you mean like this? And there was like a finished pouch. So, well, you know, I'm in the shop every day with my mom and my sister-in-law making stuff. So, um, I like working on new products. I like new ideas. I like being creative. So the regular cut it out, put the hardware, sew it. Um, I will do that, but that's not my favorite part. My favorite part is making new stuff. So when people reach out with something I think I can make, I'm going to make it because that's a break from doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's my favorite part of doing stuff. Also, how cool is it to be like, you had an idea, you talked to me and I made your idea come to life. I feel like that's really neat. I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah. And same thing I I had uh, was, is it this, uh, I'm going to screw the name up. Is it the cedar bucket bag? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm like, that would be a really cool bag if you could put a strap on it just to have as like a day bag for the woods. And again, I think 20 minutes later, you're like, okay, well, I've got orange, I've got green. Well, how about it like this and put some D-rings on it and it was done. So amazing turnaround. I think really fast on how to solve a problem. Knives in seven minutes. (laughs) Can you imagine if Tom had a turnaround like that instead of making that face? (laughs) Yeah. Also, if you you give Tom an idea for a knife, he just looks at you like he wants to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me processing my thoughts, though. You know, I just realized that. that. So every time I've reached out to Heather, I'm like, hey, what about this? She's like, yeah, no problem. And it's it's done. Every time I reach out to Tom, he goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) You ever, uh, it's like, you know, set the expectations really, really low and then over deliver. So I'm just going to be a jerk to you the first time. Maybe like, wow, it actually was kind of nice to work with. But to set the bar (laughs) really low so people aren't getting too friendly. Whatever works. You, <laughs> you sell a lot of knives, but, so I guess it's working. Yeah, I don't know what works. Um, you just kind of keep throwing stuff at the wall and see what happens. But I feel like that's what Heather was just saying too, where it's like, I don't know. We'll come up with something new, see if people like it and see if it sells. And then, you know, 
go from there. Yep. People yeah, and, and really people love new ideas. Yeah, and you can't plan for these things either. And like I know we talk about this a lot, Tom, but like, you know, when the Wicked first came out, you were like, eh, I don't know. And now it's like the hottest knife that you have. So it's you know. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's, it's crazy how that happens. Well, yeah, sometimes stuff like the EDN and the EDB, you know, the guy who's bothering you for it. And maybe he talks to you differently, Heather. Because like Ross, I don't, he, I really think he must just send DMs differently to other people. Because he's a little, uh, I guess you could say abrasive, uh, to put it lightly. Well, all of my messages come in with perky voices. I read them like they're the happiest people I, I in think, the world. I think you hit it on the head, Heather. I think there's some projection going on there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But eventually we made something work. And I didn't even want to honestly keep the EDN because we had the wicket. And it's like, God, do I really need both? And then Ross is like, please, please, please make it. And I'm like, fine, that fine, I'll make like it. Me. Yeah. That's the other filter you go through. You go through either abrasive or whiny. voice too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it works, you know, and you got to try new stuff. Yeah. So Keeping it fresh. Awesome. And <laughs> so what's yeah, your setup and, you for Blade Show going to be like? Do you have a... Do you have a booth or are you going to have a table there? Oh, we want to hear what you're going to have there. Um, we just have a table. The booth, first of all, we travel with all the stuff we're selling. So like I don't ship it there. I don't, I don't know how to do any of that. It's all learning experience. So you're we driving. Just, no, we're flying, but we're oh, just bringing it in God. our suitcases. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, flying still five and a half hours. Um, yeah. We're going to do, we have the table and, Obviously, because it's a knife show, we very much center on our knife products. So we're bringing four different kinds of knife rolls, um, EDC trays, a lot of knife slips. I'll bring a very small um, stash of our regular gear because our good customers will come looking for stuff. And I'm bringing some, you know, I want one of a kinds, you know, where we've added cool trim or cool lining that you're only going to be able to get at Blade Show. And we're doing some sweet Blade Show deals this time. Um, we're going to have all our knife rolls, no matter what size, the same price. And um, yeah, we're just hoping to see some people to get some new products. And also, we really get a lot of, uh, we make new friendships at Blade Show. I don't know about you guys, but I love I love seeing people that I talk to on the internet and putting a face to the profile on Instagram. And sometimes I'm like, "Who are you? What's your Instagram handle?" <laughs> so that wasn't a dig at Nick, was it? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, See, I learned I really... early on you're supposed to have your face online, so I put my face online all the time. <laughs> And honestly, the whole reason why we're doing this podcast is just so Heather could see my face now. So when I approach her, she doesn't think I'm some weirdo that she doesn't know. <laughs> You'll have a beard back in a week, won't you? I mean, some I, of that will be back. I, sinc- I sincerely hope so. Um, okay. Because, like I said, my wife's not talking to me until. Um, my son is very. But I'm looking forward that to. None it. of my family is going to recognize me. My daughter says I look like a creepy weirdo. So, it, <laughs> oh, so. it's a bad time in my house right now. <laughs> Stay in your room. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just going to lock myself in on my top of us uh, here. All right, Nick. Enough of your lack of beard. We get yeah, it. Sorry, you're sorry. weird, disheveled. You're a mess. Yeah, and I'm going to be posting a picture of you to Instagram later on because I got a picture, a still shot of you when you left the room, and it looks Thanks. wonderful. But Thanks. everybody will see that on the internet later, anytime. You also have uh, you've been doing a lot of the Georgia shows too, right? At Georgia Bushcraft. So we did our first fall gathering last year, but what we actually got um, asked to join was the Campfire Co-op. So as a company, we were asked to join these group of outdoor businesses that are working to promote other small businesses and to help each other out. So our very first trip to Georgia was last year in the spring, and it was life-changing. And then we went back to Georgia for Blade Show and then Fall Gathering. And then we were back there in March. So, yeah, we've never been to Georgia, but this will be the fifth trip in June in the last year. Yeah. So <laughs> we had to travel like, far. How do you like Georgia compared to the Pacific Northwest? Um I really like the cooler temperatures here. Georgia was really beautiful to visit, but it was too hot. I just It was too hot. <laughs> It's hot and damn, it's cold terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Parts of it were gorgeous. <laughs> you know, besides so the I, weather, I, I, everything was wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I have a question, um, and I'm not going to name any names, but oh boy, uh, 
Are we ready for this one? We're ready. So, so, so in terms of competition, so, so oh the, the waxed canvas space isn't that big. Yes. I've noticed a pattern of, you know, similar products being released after products get released. I'm just curious, like, oh boy. Uh, does that drive you crazy? Is it just part of the game? Does so, the perkiness go away when that stuff happens? Does the perkiness go away? So here's here's the really cool thing is there's enough room for all the makers. And um, if you have a good idea, you know it's going to be copied. So after all these years, I've learned that. Um, when stuff first came out, I took it really personal. I was like, why would they do that? And then I was just like, you know what? It's a great idea. I think a lot of the copycats don't execute it with the same quality. And so I try not to worry because people know us and they know our reputation and we stand behind our gear and we make our stuff well. We're not, and we're not sending out a shitty product. And the thing I noticed is quality between what we make and what people copy. But I really truly believe there's enough room for all the makers out there. People should be able to find their crowd. My market of customers is different from somebody who's selling it for half the price, but their quality is what they're charging for. So if it's half right. the price, it's half the quality. Um, it's really frustrating. We got on Amazon and we put some products on there and they were instantly copied and put out at like a third of the price. So that was a mistake on our part. We got off of Amazon because you know what? Those aren't our customers. Our customers are people who appreciate what we're making as a family, as a company, and as gear that they're going to keep to pass down to their kids. So yeah, so does the perkiness go away? Every once in a while when something co- somebody copies something exactly, there's a right. bit of cursing. And then I'm like, you know what? There's room for all of us. <laughs> but you know what? You know what's really great is this community will be on top of someone in a heartbeat if they're like, you copied them. Do you know so-and-so makes that? And, and people send me stuff. People email me pictures of stuff that's been copied. And they're like, this looks exactly like yours. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder if they bought it from us and took it apart. So you know, it's all it's all part of the game, and we just have to keep a, a good attitude about it. Okay. <laughs> it would drive me bananas, so I was just curious because you know that sort of thing, and and I know you know in the knife world, it's right. It's like how many different knives are there really? You know, there's some basic shapes, and there's some innovation, but there's a lot of stuff that looks like a lot of other stuff, and you know, I know that stuff happens all the time, and and uh, it's harder to say like, oh, well, this is a copy of that. But I, I feel like with your products, like there's some stuff that's like pretty blatantly obvious, and I just know personally, it would I I wouldn't be able to deal with it. Well, you know, something I can control, and as a human being, I try not to get upset about stuff that I have no control over. It seems to be working right. really. It's probably why I'm perky, you know, because I just don't worry <laughs> about those things. But I mean. Uh, people have copied um, the products, but people also copied wording from our website at one time. And when, oh when that God. happened, I took that very personally. I was like, did you just copy and paste from our website? Come on. So, um, and then having yeah, to deal with that terrible. confrontation, you're like, hey, I, I know that this is word for word what I wrote and I wrote it. So you need to change it. So, yeah, I don't like those kind of confrontations. I'll do it if I have to. But otherwise people come up with really great ideas and they don't always have to be from me. So good luck, everybody. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, there's always a difference between drawing inspiration and then making the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause I've, I've dealt with that a lot too. With some of my models were like, I mean, there's definitely some, you know, that I've seen that are quite similar to knives that I have that do very well. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's maybe they're just drawing inspiration from it. But then, you know, there's also been times where people have bought a cheaper one and then you see a couple of weeks later that they then make that same knife just in their way. And you're like, okay, um, that's that's not – that's a little different. But it's like, what are you going to do? Like even if you have a patent against something, it just means you could sue. And what are you going to get into a, like a knockout, dragout fight over somebody or are you just going to try to be the better person and, you know, and the better product. why. And the better product. Yeah. And yeah, that- you have – since you like – came up with it, you can explain the why a lot better than somebody who's copying because that's what at least what I try to do with my models is like I understand the why because I'm the one who came up with it. So I understand the purpose and the reason behind all of it versus just saying it's cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and and that's really important too is that letting people, I mean, people need to know their makers and we we're constantly trying to put that message out. Know who you're buying from. You know, if you don't recognize the company or recognize the people or they haven't been around long, then that's not the course to go. Know who your makers are. And I think as makers, 
we all appreciate what other people are doing because we know how much time and thought went into it. But yeah, it's always easier to take the high ground. They're going to find their market and you're going to keep with yours and your reputation speaks for itself. And I think your reputation is incredibly important, especially in the outdoor community. I mean, once you've hit that low road in the outdoor community, everybody knows. Yep. Like it's a, it's like a yeah, chain reaction. Very, yep. very tight knit community. And, you know, I think to your point though, is like letting the, the quality of the product speak for itself definitely goes a long way. I, you know, something that I always look at, especially when I'm dealing with any kind of um, soft good is the quality of the stitching. And your stitching is very, very good because I've never had a single stitch come loose, come break or anything like that. And, you know, some of this is gear that I carry every single day. So it holds up well. And, you know, the same thing with you, Tom, like, you, you know, you make really good knives and the quality is there and that's what's important. And, you know, neither one of you sell cheap products, you know, they, they, they're well-made and they're priced accordingly. And, uh, you know, and I think you said this before, it's like you get what you pay for, you know, and if you buy something that is 10 bucks, you know, a, a copy or a knockoff of something that you that Heather makes for 10 bucks, well, you're probably not, you're getting 10 bucks worth of product. It will last a couple months and you'll throw it and, you know, put it in the, the garbage. And the same thing goes for knives, you know, not to like mention any makers or anything like that, but we all know we've seen makers where like the, the heat treat has been really poor or there's virtually no edge on it or the, the fit and finish is terrible. And, you know, it's not, it's not great. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think but, the uh, the knowing the why, Tom, that you mentioned. I mean, that's right. That goes right to the the reputation because, so, I, you know, you can say, "Hey, Heather, like, why did you create the EDC tray?" Well, you have the story, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're driving and talking. And you <laughs> ask someone else, "How did you come up with your EDC tray?" Yeah. The, what, what's their answer? Well, I saw Heather's Instagram. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, so, so how, you know, that's never going to add to your reputation is my point. Now, not, not every product has to have a, a great story and sure there are things that are similar and people are going to make ground cloths. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but again, you know, knowing the why, like, why is this product this size uh-huh. or why is it, you know, I think Wazoo, uh, Dustin was talking about this, like when they, when people were knocking off the, uh, fire starter necklaces, you know, they, they, they copied like a flaw on one of their prototypes or something like that. I can't remember the exact story, but it's like, he's like, I knew they copied a prototype because it, they included this part that didn't make sense to include because they didn't know the why. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it bags a well, bag. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> But it's like, I like it how you're keeping this stuff like, I don't know, sometimes when I buy stuff off of Amazon, you're already kind of skeptical about whether the quality's really there or not. And it, you kind of want to drive people to like your website because it's really supporting your small business by doing something like that. And also too, you get to keep, you know, you don't have to give Amazon their cut either. But it's like- Oh, and they take like, a big cut. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always skeptical about half the things I buy off of there anyway. You know, because you're like, is this actually quality? Where was this actually made? You never really know. And like you said, it just takes one person seeing it there. And all of a sudden you have like gen- Amazon generic brand made in China of the same thing. Yeah. And you're like. You, you, there's another issue too, because you, people could be selling what they're claiming is your product. That happens on Amazon as well. Yes. So once you put yourself on yeah. Amazon, it's not just that people are doing the knockoffs. They're selling a P&W Bushcraft, whatever. And someone's getting that and getting an, an opinion that's not a good opinion of a product that you didn't even make, but someone says that you made. So there's a, that's just a whole can of worms. No, it thing. becomes P and W Bushcraft E, and it's like, wait, where did that last part come from? <laughs> and it's like, because you type in P and W Bushcraft, and then there's a little IE, then you're like, wait a second, I could have swore. <laughs> yeah, let's. And the truth is, with with all the shipping services, with all the shipping services available, I mean, I got stuff from from, I've gotten stuff from both of you in two days. So, so, you know, the whole, like I go to Amazon because I can get it super quick. I mean, you know, people have the ability to have shipping software and platforms where, you know, you get the address right the first time and the shipping's calculated and you print out the label and you slap it on. So that, that the whole allure of Amazon, I think is a, I don't know. I don't think it's necessary anymore. Yeah. And you know what? We're fast. I don't like to wait for things. So um, we ship really quick. We drive to the mailbox uh, Monday through Friday. We take it down to the post office and it goes out. Um, Cause I don't know when I, when I order something new, I want it to come in the mail quickly. So I'm very quick to ship stuff here in the shop, especially we try to keep like an inventory of all the, everything on our website 
I think maybe except two things, it's made. So when you order it, it's ready to go. So yeah, we're very big on getting people the stuff they order, even custom stuff. I don't like to take a long time. I like to make it for people and get it to them. So you uh, saved me in a pinch with those uh, knife slips because when I, fin- <laughs> when I finished up those snap pee friction folders, I uh, forgot to order the extra ones that I needed. And I'm like, all right, they're all good to go. And I'm like, shit, shit, shit. I don't have enough of the slips. <laughs> so I was like, but then they were here and it got like, but you're on like the other side of the country and they were here like, you know, two and a half days later. And I'm like, okay, thank God. Because I was just like, I'm like, oh, sorry, I just haven't run to the post yet. And he's like, not telling him that I just didn't even have it here. <laughs> oops and thanks for working with us guys we appreciate that we love supporting other people and their ideas and what they're making so it's always really cool when someone new comes in and it's like heather can you make this for us and we'll talk about it online and put it with our products it makes it makes me feel really good that we're able to support other people that way too well, you started doing some work with Woods Monkey with the same slips, right? Because I saw a couple of theirs with them. Yeah, they um, last year they ordered them for, I think it must have been Blade Show because they got wider slips with just random wool because I collect vintage wool and I can't always make more than one. And so for them, I just made it for the Woods Monkey in a bigger size. Yeah, they're taking some to Blade Show too. In fact, th- that was another last minute. Heather, can you make these for me? And I shipped them out yesterday. <laughs> so, cool. yeah. It's such a nice way to carry the friction folder. And actually, with the wax canvas, at some point, it could carry it in your pocket. It actually starts to form around the shape of the handle. So it almost like has that like lock into place after you start getting some patina and wear on it. Very cool. So have you have you ever thought about doing anything outside of wax canvas? Far as like other materials or yeah, other materials or just <laughs> branching out from the the you know those core products. Or, um, yeah, or wax canvas. For- we keep touching base on making a wax canvas anorak. I've actually sewed six of them. Um, it's just such a big project that honestly, I was kind of scared because my my um, I don't have any history of being a seamstress. This was just learn as you go. I'm just one of those people that's like this sounds like something I might be able to do. Mm -hmm. In fact, Todd started out doing all the sewing for the company. So I had to learn to sew and how to create patterns and how to take the ideas from my head into a product. So um, the Anorak, we had a basic design. And then of course we couldn't stick with the basic design. We're like, oh, it should do this and it should do that. And we've modified it. So I would like to branch out into larger things like packs and anoraks. And um, I really like wax canvas vests. So yeah, we're always looking for something that we might be able to do. It's just trying to figure out when to get that in on top of, you know, running an existing business that does well. So, you know, we do have plans to go bigger. And actually I've made... (laughs) I forgot about that because I didn't add the strap. I made a really cool pack too, but yeah, that's in a project box. <laughs> I was I was going to ask about like because you know you have the that bucket bag, but like are there other? Have you thought about larger bags, packs, things like that? Yeah, well, we just went to five sizes in our cedar bucket bag, so now we have a much bigger one because I kept randomly making for people um, a larger bag, and finally I was like, I'm just going to add it to the regular inventory so people don't have to wait to get it. Um, and usually when I do custom work, it tends to be bigger than what we usually make when people ask for one off. So yeah, honestly, one day I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to try this and I'll spend the next week in the shop trying to make something. Um, so, but not right now. Heather, I got a question about when you're coming up with new products and prototyping. Are you kind of keeping things a little hush hush about when you're coming up with them? Or are you a little more open with sharing the process of how you create them? And like, do you try to have it like, lined up when they're actually going to be released? I know there's a whole bunch of questions at once, but... First of all, I don't think that far ahead. So no, I'm terrible. I'm sure there should be like a release date and I should be doing like little teaser things, but no, I don't plan that far ahead for anything. (laughs) But um, yeah, we really... I'm not really good at hiding things. So I think that our customers like to see the process of things. So when we're coming out with a new idea, sometimes I'm even online asking for feedback. Like, you know, I'll say, what color should we put this out in? Or do you think this should have a pocket? Or I try to interact with our customers so that I'm getting that feedback I need to make a great product. But yeah, um, I'm not very, yeah, I don't think I hide anything from anybody. And it, and it might make it so that it's copied faster. I don't know. But, um, and yeah, what about you? 
Well, sometimes it's with like the turnaround time is like what I had the issues with because some of the stuff I have to send, I have to outsource a lot of things like heat treating stainless steel. I'm outsourcing even cutting the blanks out. I'm outsourcing to New Jersey Steel Baron. So like a lot of the stuff where it's like, you know, sometimes Steel Baron has a great turnaround time. Other times they're slammed and Knives by Nuge gets put on the back burner because we're not ordering thousands of knives like some of these other people are. So like my 50 are going to have to wait. And it happened with the EDB when we were prototyping and I was using a lot and generating a lot of content on it. And then like it disappeared for five months because just manufacturing time is longer. And then it's almost like, should I have just back like done that on the back door and then did the marketing afterwards? But I guess you there's no real answer there. Or maybe somebody with a better marketing brain has an answer to that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a lot of the bigger companies that are putting out thousands of products definitely have a bigger plan, but that's just not us. It's just not you. So, yeah. Marketing is so much more work than I think people (laughs) really, really know about because like even it's like Nick and I were talking the other day. It was like, oh, we should start making some more content on that. I'm like, yeah, let me just switch off my manufacturing hat and put on my content creation hat. It's like I still have to make you the stuff to make money. And it's like- I was just joking with them. Like, this is why people pay for this kind of stuff because it's a lot to have like actual schedule lineup marketing systems in place. And you, you never know when something's going to take off, right? Or capture yeah. someone's interest. So like, you know, um, like the EDB, you know, started a couple of teasers and, and whatever. And then I had people messaging me, oh, how can I buy this now? Where I'm like, I don't talk to Tom. I don't know. <laughs> like it's a prototype, you know, <laughs> it's not even and, and it was, you know, but I had all these people saying they, they want to buy it, but you know how the knife world works, right? So a few months goes by or, or more than a few months and now it's released and those same people are like, ah, oh, I spent too much money on this other thing or, you know, I have no knife knife dollars. And then, you know, and then those sell out and, and you know, you got another batch, but there's warps in the blanks. And so then there's another, so like not knowing when you're actually going to have stuff makes it real difficult to kind of catch that wave of, of excitement sometimes. Well, we well, have a... Uh- started to put stuff on pre-order. Like if we have a product coming out, there seems to be a lot of interest. I'll put it on pre-order and that's worked out really well because based on the responses, I'll think, oh my gosh, I should make like 40 of these and pre-order will sell like seven. So I'll be like, oh, good thing we did that on pre-order. So I like to only do that within when I'm in, within a couple of weeks of getting something finished, but that's helped out for us to kind of know what the demand is on a new product. So... That's not a bad idea because all the time you'll get DMs saying, oh, I need it now. I need five of them. And then like they drop and it's like, where are y'all at? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you forget that these actually cost American dollars? It's like. <laughs> and it makes it, me think of that movie. Show me the money. <laughs> yeah. And it, Jerry Maguire. I think that's, that's a good way to probably roll out newer things like that or things that it might be a risk investing in. Because some of them, like I have some models that just don't move anymore. It's like you have a lot of stuff invested in it. And you're like, oh, well, I guess that's just going to be an L for a while until like maybe they come back. Yeah. Yeah. But the pre-order way would be a nice way of like solidifying it too. And then I think the big thing too is like getting it into people's hands, which is why I'm going to start trying to do more shows because like I feel like that's the best way to market on top of not just doing shows, but also once other people start buying it and you get them set in with it, then they talk to their friends about it. And that's, I think, the best marketing plan ever is just to have your buddy next to you say, hey, look at this. That's like hands down the best marketing I think is out there because it's not just some person on the internet that you're following that says this is amazing. It's like, yeah, like your buddy's actually using the gear and they're posting about it or they're just showing you. And it's just like the mix of shows and actually selling it to the people and showing them the quality of it. Yeah, yeah that's what's great about shows. Thing. Especially with, with, with Instagram not showing things anymore. I mean – that that shift in I used to be able to post a still picture of a knife and get thirty to forty thousand eyes on it. Now I get one hundred and fifty, and so just that shift alone, yeah, go to shows, <laughs> get it in people's <laughs> hands, and 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 have humans look at it because it just the, these platforms are not an effective way of getting that mass exposure anymore at all. Well, and people like to buy from people they like. I mean, yeah. truly, like if I meet somebody really cool, I really want to buy their product just because I want to support them as a person. So, yeah, it's nice to meet people in person at shows like that. Are you saying I should be a little less grumpy to the people that DM me? <laughs> That's not I in person. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's on brand at this point. So I'm pretty sure if like, <laughs> I remember once I had Laura, my girlfriend, she uh, wrote some uh, copy for me for a caption. I'm like, I can't use this. They're going to look how bubbly and nice this is. They're going to know it's a sham. <laughs> it doesn't have that grumpy, tired, caffeinated undertone to it. But no, it's Luckily, like it's a, like Tom is a likable grump, so a likable grump. Nice. But it's like it's amazing what happens when you actually get it in somebody's face and you get to like really see the reaction. Like I was at a, a bar with Ruben uh, last week, and we just were talking about knives, and some guy overheard it, and he's like, "I just happen to have a bag full of knives in front of me." <laughs> How else do you go into an Irish pub in Jersey? Um, And he was like, oh, my God. He's like, Felt is like, this is great. And then he wanted to buy one. So it's like, it's amazing what happens when you actually get the product into the like their hands it makes a big difference versus you know just seeing it online and so like what Charles saying like if your post even goes anywhere sounds about right <laughs> on that note let's wrap it up thank you so much heather for joining us today and telling us all about pnw bushcraft if you could just take a moment and plug your website plug your instagram and let us know where you're going to be at blade show this year so everybody can go check you out yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, having me on. And can I can I plug my website? People can come check out our gear. So you can find us at pnwbushcraft.com. You can find me on social media on Instagram. I hear I'm entertaining. It's pnwbushcraftshop. And uh, if you just want to talk about gear, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. My email is pnwbushcraft at pnwbushcraft.com. Oh, yeah. So we'll be at table 14U in the main room. So come find us. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you all have a great week. Be sure to come see us on Blade Show. Check us out on uh, our social media. Go definitely go check out Heather and PW Bushcraft on Instagram and at their website. And on that note, I leave you all with the turkey call. Hi. I can't go to Blade Show because I'm still going to be editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, okay, guys. Everybody. Thank you. All right. Go away now. Bye-bye. <laughs>